about asking you. <clears throat> Todd asked me a couple weeks ago if I would share um, today, and he didn't even know he wasn't going to be here. But, um, I was thankful for the invitation, and I said, what do you want me to share? And he said, I want you to share from your heart. So, um, can we be here till 3 or 4 o'clock? <laughs> uh, stand with me, please. If you would get your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowded around Him and listening to the Word of God, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked Him to put it out a little from the shore. Then He sat down and taught the people from the boat. When He had finished speaking, He said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners on the other side in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that it began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. You will turn over to John chapter 21. We just read in Luke, and this was Jesus calling the first disciples. We're going to read now, after he had already trained the disciples, um, and discipled them. And this was after Jesus had, had died and had already been resurrected. Starting verse 1 says, Afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, and Cana in, in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples were there. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, Well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but by that night they had caught nothing. Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, you have any fish? No, they answered, he said. Throw your net on the other side of the boat, on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed him into the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals. There was fish on it and some bread. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, we lift our pastor to you this morning that you will bless him and his family as they're away. Lord, may you comfort their hearts. Uh, Father, be with your word this morning and may you speak uh, to this uh, group of people here that uh, whatever you want them to hear. Lord, use me and set me aside and use my voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Two and a half years ago, we um, got on an airplane and we went to Belize. And uh, we had uh, very little instructions. Um, as all of you know, I spent most of my days doing mission trips. Um, most of you in here have been on trips with me doing different things. But what I want to talk about this morning at first is what I had been told um, what was our instructions when we got to Belize it's very simple am I moving around too much Greg (laughs) it was all in an email said we are here to feed the poor heal the sick and pray for the hurting so that's what me and my wife did for a year we went around and we handed out food she went around and handed out medicine and healed, put band-aids on wounds and did different things. I went around building houses for people um, and we prayed for people that were hurting. But after being there a year, we realized that something's missing. We knew that we were to go out into the world making disciples, raising people up, baptizing them but that wasn't the instructions we had so um, we had let that slip to the side so after being there a year we took six weeks and we prayed and had a little sabbatical and decided that this is what we need to be doing we need to be raising people up teaching them what and how to do things a lot of people think that Belize is a third world country it is not Um, we treat it that way we treat it as in let's send something down there let's pass it out and give those poor people something Um, Belize is a developing country and the ministry that me and my wife have is to continue developing it Um, I'll show a video later I I wouldn't dare show it now because I wouldn't get through the rest of the message but um, the shoeboxes is a great thing um, this year, I mean, last year we handed out shoeboxes. We, we backed a trailer into a village and just started handing out shoeboxes to anybody, any kid that was out there. God bless you. Merry Christmas. And that's it. We've never seen any of those kids again. That's not ministry. This year, we built relationships with parents. We built relationships with orphanages. We built relationships with preschools. And we built relationships with those kids. Um, We only gave away maybe um, 50 to 100 shoeboxes to actual kids. But this year, instead of just blessing kids, we blessed their parents. We gave the shoebox to the parent so the parent in in return could bless their kids. The the biggest thing in Belize is the fathers can't find work. And there's a, a big problem of alcoholism, drugs. There's a big problem of depression it's because they really want to do better 
but they can't do better. And when people continue to come in and just give their kids things, it's humiliating to them. So if we can encourage that father by giving him, him something, that he can in return give his child something, not only does it bless him and the child, it builds the family. So that's where your shoeboxes went this year. You'll see some of that later. Back to Scripture. Let's look back to Luke chapter 5. Um, there's a few things I want to point out here. One was obedience. These guys didn't know who Jesus was. <laughs> he was a carpenter. And these guys were fishermen. Um, what does a carpenter know about fishing? But otherwise, they were obedient to him. And he, they did exactly what he said. What happens when we're obedient? We have a great harvest. God blessed them for their efforts and for their obedience. And then what happens next? They had to ask for help because God had blessed them so much that they couldn't do it by themselves. They had a net full of fish. Has anybody in here ever cast a net besides Ken? Um, I've never cast one myself, but I have picked one up. They're very, very heavy. And I'm sure that you can get small ones and you can get big ones. But nets have big lead weights on them. And it takes, it takes more than one person to pull it in anyway. But, you know, I think God used... Of, of course He could have used a fishing pole. But He used the example of a net because, you know, me and my wife can't pull in this net by ourselves. We have to have you. We have to have all of God's people behind us helping us pull in that net. I want to go back over to, to John chapter 21. As... We see these people had been discipled. Jesus had raised them up for three years, and now Jesus has been crucified. And I've looked at my own life, and, you know, I've been in Belize for two and a half years. What if, what if I had been walking with Jesus for two and a half years, doing exactly what He told us to do, and then I come back here, and I go back to work? Guess what? He ain't going to like it. So what I want to get at this morning, um, I told Greg I was going to mention him this morning. He's going to pull that blind down now so nobody can see. <clears throat> Several years ago, I think Ken and Travis were there. We were fishing down the river. And... Um, Anybody that knows how to fish, you, you throw in toward the bank. That's where the fish are. They're under the rocks. and that's, that's normal. That's what we're trained to do. That's what we're told to do. I can remember one time when I was really young, my uncle and my cousin took me fishing, and we were on the lake. First time I'd ever been on the lake, first time in a big boat. And we were fishing, and I kept throwing my line into the trees, so... They said, no, you can't fish on this side anymore. You've got to throw over here. And I said, but there's nothing over there. If they was fish over there, you'd be fishing over there. I don't know if Greg remembers this, but a few years ago we were fishing, and all of a sudden Greg decided he was going to throw on the other side of the boat. And he pulls in this big fish. And I said, 
That's not right. We, we, don't, we don't do that. But, but he had caught this big fish. And I want you guys to open up your minds. You know, we're all fishing for something. And we have been taught by our pastors. We've been taught by our parents. We've been taught by the world. We've been taught by everyone to do it this way. But this morning, I want you to open your mind up to casting your net on the other side of the boat. We spend our life doing the same thing over and over and over. And, you know, this year, this being the first Sunday of the year, I want you to consider casting your net on the other side of the boat. Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe you've been on this burnout job all your life, or like Ken, getting ready to retire. He's going to be casting his net on the other side of the boat. You know, when me and Samantha were in Belize for a year, we didn't see no harvest. We didn't see no one getting saved. We didn't see anybody coming back to us to be discipled. They kept coming back to us for beans and rice or for more headache pills that they would go and sell on the street. Or they would come to us and say, hey, you know that house you built for them people over there? Their next door neighbor is a builder. He builds houses. And he sat there and watched you the whole week. Well, that really opened me up. You know, we may be blessing one person when we're really robbing another. But the correct way of doing that would be to go to him and say, hey, let's work together and let me disciple you in this product, this project, and let's get this done for the family. That's where we are today. Again, you see in Luke chapter 1, the guys were being obedient, and God blessed them. Blessed them with 153 fish. From the research I found, that's how many species of fish that they thought was in the world at that time back in those days. And they was one of every species. This morning I shared with Sunday school class at Perkins that <clears throat> sometimes all I have is a phone. But I have a phone in this pocket. If I take this phone out and I put it in this pocket, how many extra phones do I have? I have none. I still have one phone. I feel today that's how we are in our churches. We go and we get somebody else from another church and we bring them into our church when we're supposed to be looking for the lost people. The people that don't have a church home. The people that's not serving in their churches already. That we want to go and find those people that we're already comfortable around. We like to be in a comfort zone. I like comfort zone too. My comfort zone is hammer and nail and climbing up and down ladders and uh, doing all those things that I used to do. Uh, this is, <laughs> my life is not really comfort zone, but I love pleasing the Lord, and that's the main thing. Today, you may be the one that needs to change what you're doing. I don't know. Um, I don't know who this message is for other than myself. I had to re- uh, look at my life and what I'm doing to make sure that, that what I'm doing is exactly what God wants. You know, there's <clears throat> changes that's, that's happened in their lives. There's things that's happened in their lives. And, um, share briefly, I think everybody in here knows that um, we were involved in an accident. Uh, one Wednesday night, we were coming home from church, and a young man 
I say young man, he's younger than me, he was 28 years old, ran across the road in front of us and there was no, we didn't even see him till we'd already hit him. I was driving and um, <laughs> I know a little bit about what Paul went through. I went to jail that night and I was in a cell for only about three minutes, but I understand what that means and um, the worst thing that I remember about it is how bad it stunk. Uh, there's no bathroom in there, so people just use the bathroom on the bars or whatever. And speaking of we're in another country, that's is very dark, very nasty. But luckily, I had built a relationship with a police officer in Roaring Creek, and he called and said, get him out of there. So um, several weeks have went by and I had been back and forth to the police station and everybody said, no, it's not your fault. Um, we've got seven statements. Everybody said it wasn't their fault. But, you know, uh, I woke up one Saturday morning and not knowing what to do about this young man, he's laying in the hospital with a broken hip and a broken leg uh, where we hit him. And uh, God give me the scripture of the Good Samaritan. You know, um, even though it wasn't my fault, even though um, it's not in my country even though he's not my color even though he's not my I don't even know this young man um, still have to do so so um, that's where my other net people came together and pulled in that net and took care of that need uh, the young man is uh, out walking now on a crutch so he's doing good um who knows what the future holds in that situation? Uh, you know, they, they see me as a white man and they look at They think I've got money, so they're still trying to fight it. Um, want to share again briefly about what's going on in Belize. Uh, everybody knows about the workshop. We have trained up and raised up and baptized three of the boys. Um, we continue to work in that. Again, it's not about... Uh, the workshop. It's not about the any kind of products. It's not about anything about that. It's about me spending time building relationships with these young men. And you know, the greatest thing about it is when we had that accident, two of those boys came to the roadside that night and just poured out to us and said, Mama Mantha, Papa Terry, everything's going to be okay. We've done prayed for you and everything's going to work out knowing that you have people there that love you enough, that care about you enough to come to you and pray for you. And, you know, we, we being missionaries, being the examples that we needed to be, we went ahead and did a fundraiser in Belize so that the rest of the village would know that we felt that we needed to do something. So we, we did a barbecue sale and many of all of those boys came and helped us cook barbecue. They helped us um, get all the food together. And they just worked together. Samantha, is, uh, as all of you know, Addie Grace is back there. Um, we have uh, did our good deed with her and raised her to this point, and she's gonna. We've left her in the hands of good people. Um, Right before we left, Samantha was asked to by the Minister of Health in Belize if she would lead a continuing education um, 
what that goes back to. Mission teams come over and over and over, medical mission teams, and they do great things. They help people. They give them pills. I've seen them sew up legs. I've seen them do great things. But they're not educating the Belizean people. So you're coming in. They're, they're taking away the jobs from the Belizean people. They contacted Samantha and asked her, will you work on getting teams to come down just to educate our people so that we can do our job better? And that's right down our alley, exactly what we want to do. We want to continue developing a country. I told the guys this morning, uh, when we moved to Belize, we had intentions, and <laughs> me and Samantha went to our old house this week. And it was odd just being there, but, you know, when we left there, we said, we're leaving, and we're not coming back. We honestly never thought we would... We didn't think we would ever come back. Um, <clears throat> we knew we would come back when it was time to retire. But we thought we'd be in Belize forever. And I'm not saying that we're coming back, but there's a, a, a much higher purpose than going to Belize and doing somebody's job for them when we can raise somebody up to do it themselves. Um, we, we are in the business of putting ourselves out of business. We're trying to find somebody. And I have found them. I'm just trying to raise them up to be able to take over what I'm doing, to be able to teach them everything that I'm doing. And I encourage you. I've heard Ken and Travis say this over and over and over. If you, um, if you don't raise your kids, somebody else is going to. Okay? If, if, I don't, if we don't continue to stay there and finish what we started, somebody else is going to swoop in and they're going to be selling drugs on the street. So, we are still in Belize. And... God has not, I told somebody one time, God called me to get out of the boat. He ain't called me to get back in it yet. And even though it's hard, it's hard to <clears throat> leave Eddie Grace behind. It's hard to deal with that, but we will move forward and God's going to give us uh, something much greater. So, guys, if you don't understand anything that's going on here today, it might be your time to cast your net on the other side of the boat. I know that there's a lot going on in this earth, on this world, in the United States, and everybody's at a dead-end job. Everybody hates what they do, and everybody's complaining about Obama. Everybody's complaining about um, health care, everything else. Maybe it's time that you do something different. If you're not happy about it, do something different. Um, if you're not happy with the United States, you can leave. I did. I was happy, though. <laughs> it's just, it's time, guys, that, that we make a change. Um, even, even the church leaders here, I don't know anything's going on with Kingsway anymore. Um, I picked on Mark because my name's not on the Sunday school roll anymore. But, but... <laughs> but my but my picture's plastered on the wall but it's not about me maybe it's time the church leaders do something different maybe it's time that we actually go out and find the lost people that's what our purpose is maybe it's time that we stand behind our pastor everybody thinks it's the pastor's job to go and do all this work 
It's His job only to raise you up to go do it. We are supposed to be disciples and disciplers. Just because I disciple the boys in my shop, I also teach them to be a discipler because one day they've got to pass that on to somebody else. Going to share a video with you. Um, I was going to do the invitation, but I'm going to ask Ken if he'll do that. And thank you all for your support. And always remember that we, we can't do what we do without you. We thank you for your support. Into the darkness you shine